Hey, hey, welcome to the Just Hit Sign podcast, a personal and professional development show with me, your host, Kelsey Jeff. Awesome. So you've clicked onto a very interesting episode today, in my humble opinion. But you know, we love good sound advice, right? Don't we? I know I sure do. If someone's like been there, done that, and they have the potential to help me out, like cut a few steps out or better yet, cut a few missteps out, like I'm all about that life. But what about when we're given bad advice or maybe it's just not even bad necessarily, but it's just not a one size fits all piece of advice and uh, that it's proven to work for everyone who takes it, right? So what happens? Utter failure and destruction, right? (laughs) Well, maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but in the world of all the self-help, self-made millionaires and influencers out there, what advice out there is truly good? Or my question is like, what advice out there is just bad news bears? Okay, and we're going to be talking today about business advice or entrepreneurship um, in particular, Um, but I'm going to be blind reacting to some of the worst business advice out there. And I'll let you know what I think about it and maybe I'll even correct or readjust the advice and give you some good nuggets to take for your troubles today. But does that sound like a plan? Because that's the plan, friends, so buckle on in. Let's just hit send on some of the world's worst business advice out there. (laughs) That's so ironic. Okay, Uh, let's go. All right, just interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know about something truly incredible. And that thing is Anchor. Okay, so Anchor is a free, yeah, you heard me, completely free thing. And it's easy to use. And it is a podcast creation platform. And it is mega beginner friendly. And that's my whole MO on the Just It's Ten podcast, right? It's okay to be a beginner. So yeah, Anchor is your one-stop shop to start and record and edit and blast the world with your amazing podcast, all from the Anchor mobile app or at anchor.fm online. I mean, this is how my podcast is hosted and distributed on places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, you name it, man. And like I said, it's so beginner friendly. You do not need any training to get going with Anchor. So if you have been thinking about starting a podcast, well, you can check off the how box because you should be using Anchor Sign up today, friends. It's totally free. Download the Anchor app on your phone or visit anchor.fm today. Like now. Like go. Like right now. Okay, so let me take a second here and just explain where this episode idea came from and how this thing is going to go down. Okay, so first of all, Uh, A little bit about my background, just so we can like lay the foundation, because if this is your first episode, um, you, hi, hi, hello, I'm Kelsey. (laughs) And like, why the heck am I qualified or interested in reacting to business advice or very bad business advice? Um, That's a very specific niche of advice out there. But just so you know, I have two business degrees, um, the highest of them being a bachelor's in business management and operations. So yeah, it's kind of middle of the row there for formal education. There's a 
billion gazillion people out there um, that have higher education than I do in business and have much more experience. That is very, very aware and apparent to me. I get that. <laughs> um, it's I, like business is a very broad concentration and um, I'm sure you can imagine, and I'm not claiming again to be the expert here, but it's something that I, I really do live and breathe every single day in one way or another. I pretty much structure my entire life like a little small business, <laughs> um, but I've worked for over a decade in businesses of many sorts. And again, I'm 27 years old, so just kind of giving you a... Um, a picture here of my situation, but I've worked for for-profit, non-profit, corporate, small businesses, uh, a bunch of different varieties there. I have um, led my own companies in the way of side hustles and also have the title of president and CEO of a non-profit so between my education background and my work experience and honestly just my life experience, I got some goods, okay? I got some thoughts, I got some nuggets for you and some advice um, to kind of redirect. I get asked a lot by friends and family members or even like friends of friends um, about their business questions or their legal questions or HR questions. And that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't always have like good answers for those questions, but sometimes I can give a solid answer or at least like point people in the right direction of where to go find that. Um, I have a, a lot of really cool connections, especially in my area of like lawyers, CPAs, and other business professionals that I get, like to refer people to um, that are kind of like concentrated down into their niche. But personal finances and stuff like that. I'm pretty decent at, um, at least for like the basics. I do that for my own self, for my husband and I, for our finances. And I've been doing that. Um, I'll do like a consult, like I can make a budget with you or um, uh, tons of different things. But anyways, at the end of the day, though, I do hire someone to do my taxes and my financial planning, though. So there's that. <laughs> there's a severe difference between business and finance majors. I just want to like set the record straight on that because I have a friend who is um, a finance major and we could not be like more different on our educational backgrounds. Like, yes, we both took accounting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but like, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, like anything though, um, business is not, you know, the only one that's like that for sure. Anyway, so I stumbled upon this article from YFS Magazine. It's a digital magazine for entrepreneurs that keeps folks up to date on trends and news and business, and it's heavily directed to startups. So if you're in that kind of like startup-y, like better myself in a business finance, whatever way, you might have heard it. But if not, then you're probably like, yeah, nope, never heard it in my life. But Anyway, I found this article published by them back in 2019. So it's a little bit outdated, but still nothing is new under the sun, right? And the title of this is, quote, 15 entrepreneurs share the worst business advice that they've heard, end quote. Okay, so <laughs> I love lists like this. I think BuzzFeed trained all millennials to love a good and ultimately pointless internet list, but whatever. This article got me curious. So I just read the introductory paragraph of the article and immediately I just like halted. I pumped the brakes and I had the idea for this episode here that I'm hello recording. 
Um, I thought it would be kind of fun for me to blind react to this list and see what my unfiltered and totally not scripted thoughts and opinions are. Um, I do a rough draft, just so you know, uh, of an outline in a Google Doc for each episode that I do record for the Just Hit Send podcast. Um, it just kind of like keep me on track and, and prep what I want to say, write my little list down of points I want to cover, all that kind of stuff. Because man, I can really bunny trail. Like I have learned that I public speak quite often and I literally have to write in my margins of my scripts or my sermons or whatever. Do not bunny trail here because it's very bunny trailable. <laughs> um, but yeah, I no scripts for this episode, just the intro I scripted and this is going to be fair game. Okay. So, um, that's kind of what you're listening to though. This is going to be just me and you hanging out, talking about business, but yeah, it's, it sounds fun to me though. So even if you're just not super into anything that has to do with business, you don't own a business, you don't want to own a business, you don't even work for a business. Like that's totally cool. Um, I think it'll just be pretty entertaining for you as well. And it's nothing like you need to know super crazy business vocabulary or legal terms to understand what I'm talking about here. Again, I haven't read, I read the first um, point here or worst advice, but I have not read the whole list. Um, so it's going to be fun. Blind reaction. What could be worse, right? <laughs> um the thing that I have always like believed and I still believe about business in general is that so many of the principles and the strategies and the concepts that come out of business school or business teachings, they're just super, super applicable to everyday life too. And again, I think that's why I tend to structure my own personal life like a little small business because a lot of the things you're taught in business school really apply to everything, right? Like productivity and routines and scheduling and like operations, like it's all one big operation. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, let's just like hang out and just relax and chat about some really bad business advice. Apparently we'll see. I have a feeling, not a feeling, but I just wonder, I'm curious if I'm actually going to agree with any of them. So we'll see how it goes. But like I said, I haven't read the list yet. So uh, it'll be a surprise to both of us. All right. So I'm going to pull this article up on my phone and then get this a roll in. So like I said, um, this magazine, YFS, uh, I can't remember what YFS stands for. Oh yeah. Young, fabulous startup. <laughs> That's what it's called. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> anyway, but so the magazine says that they asked 15 entrepreneurs to share the worst advice they've received. Okay. So this is business people. Um, it doesn't not necessarily entrepreneurs doesn't mean you're educated in business. It just means you're actively in business or pursuing something. So just so you're aware of that. So let's just get rolling here. Okay. So number one, it says that's just standard contract language. <laughs> oh, there's a little commentary too in each little box here. So the worst business advice I have received was quote, don't worry. It's just standard language in the contract end quote. Be sure to read everything and ask questions. Make sure you know exactly what you're agreeing to when signing a contract. Okay. Wow. <laughs> do not 
just take anything that's written on a contract or that somebody is telling you is written in a contract and just sign your life away to it. No, 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 no. Don't do that. That's terrible advice. Okay. This is another thing people have come to me for to review their leases for like renting an apartment or vehicle or whatever. Uh, yeah, run that thing through a lawyer. It's so worth like just getting a second opinion on or even not even that just asking questions about well, yeah what does that word mean or what do you mean by that or like yeah actually i'm not comfortable signing my name to that can we like renegotiate that and if somebody kicks back to you like a landlord or whatever like it, this could be for anything um if somebody kicks back to you who's trying to get you to sign this document or whatever and says oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, it's just the standard contract. Like, ah, red flags, red flags. Like, and they could totally be not trying to screw you over. I'm not trying to say that, but you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, my goodness, have you ever watched Judge Judy? Like, those people are all in there for contract breach. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I vote very bad advice on that one. Um, okay, number two, stick to the plan. Ooh, this is interesting. This person says, the worst business advice I was ever told was, quote, stick to the plan, end quote. In fact, most of my success in running a business has come from being quick to change a plan when necessary. Plans are necessary, but no matter how strong your plans are, there are variables that can quickly derail a rigid plan. When you develop plans for your business, consider the alternative. Think about what can go wrong and you will respond and, no, and how you will respond if the plan doesn't lead to the expected result, mm. keep your plans agile, ooh, buzzword, and flexible, another one, and pay attention to the metrics. Use your plans as a general guide, but let the data decide whether you should stick to the plan or pivot. Mm. Yep, that's uh, really good advice here. So stick to the plan. Yeah. You just got to be flexible, especially in business. But again, this applies to life as well. I'm sure you can understand that one. But my gosh. Okay, I love planning. Anybody that knows me in real life knows that about me. I, I love a good plan. I am very um, driven by creating plans and structures and projects and stuff like that. Love it. I mean, I was a project manager for quite some time. I am not anymore because it's so rigid and the plans always go off track. <laughs> so this bad advice is exactly why I don't do what I was doing before. Um, but I totally agree with the like counter advice that this person decided to write for us. Um, but the thing I want to highlight here, keep your plans agile and flexible. That's so freaking true. Like I really like to make plans um, that have backup plans to them. Like, and you might even not even write them down or like document them or anything like that, like the backup plans. Um, but it is super nice to, when you're thinking through plans to go off of the plan, <laughs> like how can I adjust this or how am I going to adjust this if, and when X, Y, Z happens. And again, when you're put, making plans and even trying to be flexible and agile in your plans and make it plan backup plans, um, you're just not going to be able to predict all the crazy stuff that gets thrown at you. Like, there's a lot you can plan for, which is awesome, but there's just so much you can. I mean, hello, 2020 really helped us along with that one. So yes, I would agree. Stick to the plan. It's wonderful in thought, but not really good business advice. Okay. Number three, get started on your business idea right now. 
<laughs> we are getting in some controversial ones. Okay, this person says, just because you have a great idea doesn't mean it's necessarily going to bring in revenue. Even the most passionate and industrious entrepreneur can lose a lot of time and money if they don't put in the proper due diligence. The better course of action is to validate your idea first. In the cheapest way possible, you need to make sure your product or service is going to sell before you dumped money into building an expensive website, buying inventory, etc. Okay, completely agree with what that guy's saying. Um, sorry, I'm not like quoting the person. It does say clear as day who the person is and where they were, <laughs> but I'm not so sorry. I'm not going to start on number three. But yeah, so get started on your business idea right now. Oh man, it is like, there's just such a fine line because I totally get what he's saying. The guy that is trying to counter this um, bad advice as like, you need to really think this one through, which I totally agree with. I mean, what he's saying that is super key here is just because you have a great idea doesn't mean it's a great idea. You know, so like, first of all, a lot of great ideas already are existing. So if you start out, an idea that you have, I mean, my gosh, you can even like start on, on a podcast just to keep this very relative to where we are right now. Um, first of all, the name could already be taken and the niche is already super saturated and what, there's so many questions, right? It could already exist. Um, now just because somebody, something exists already doesn't mean it can't exist somewhere else or you can't work around those things. But if I, I literally had to get online and search a lot, um, to find if the just hit send podcast was already in existence and thank God that it wasn't because I love the name. Um, but there are a lot of other things that are called just hit send. So I really had to do some research and I asked, um, a trademark lawyer, like, how do we do this? And there are uh, free ways you can do this. You don't have to pay somebody or a lawyer, go to a lawyer like every day. But um, there are ways that in internet searches that you can search like in the archives of trademarks and legal names, the business names and stuff like that um, to see, is it available? And because some businesses, excuse me, some businesses that do exist, um, no matter what they are, like I'm going to, I'm not bashing on anybody during this episode. Let me just say, <laughs> if you're doing some of these things, it's fine. Do you do you. And if you find success out of it, that's advice for you. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But anyway, in this example, I'm going to just bring up TikTokers for a second here. So a lot of people exploded in 2020 and 2021 with their TikTok businesses of like crafting, like big time crafters, right? This is where people quit their nine to five jobs of like 60 K plus, and, um, they start embroidering for like ever. And it's ridiculously crazy and, and backwards and inspiring. So a lot of people that are on TikTok or Instagram, um, doing their businesses, they're not a legal business. And I mean, this is why people will be posting, please don't say this is for goods or services on my Venmo. Like I, and I get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, you're going to like, it's not a guarantee that you're going to end up in a lot of trouble, but you can, you can hugely like just get raked over the coal with legal fees and, oh, and just damn it. Like you, it's not even just, you're going to lose your business and everything you ever made from, from your business. It's like, you could lose your entire hire house or you could be garnishing your wages to the end of time like it, it's crazy the amount of hawk you can get in so that's why i have two relationships that i love 
I added a third recently, but that doesn't have anything to do with business. But two relationships that I think everybody should have in their life is a lawyer on retainer and a CPA. Even if you don't file your taxes through the CPA and you got it down through like H&R Block or QuickBooks, no, not QuickBooks. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> the, the like free ones or like very easy to do ones online or you go to a different broker or something. Um, even if you do not file your taxes through a CPA, it is awesome to form a relationship with a CPA so that you can like send emails or schedule meetings when you do have major questions that you could don't want to Google, right? Don't make major life decisions when you're dealing with money or legal things through Google. Like can, let's just leave that as a fact of life. Okay, let's move on though. <laughs> Number four, you need a lot of capital to make your startup successful. And capital, if you're unfamiliar, is resources and usually in the way of money. Okay, so this person says, the worst business advice I have ever received was from another from another successful business owner who said it would be impossible to compete and get a startup to do well against big brands and told us to seek investment for $2 million on reward. Um, we wasted a lot of time and didn't like any of the term sheets we received. We chose to grow slower and bootstrap the venture ourselves. His advice just felt wrong, and I decided to follow my gut. Goes on to say, as long as you are pass passionate and willing to work hard, it is possible to make anything happen with time and perseverance. There is no such thing as an oversight success overnight. Sorry, and there's no such thing as an overnight success story. Behind each success story, there is usually five to ten years of hard work, which no one ever talks about. We launched our brand free from the start, built from the start, built a service over. 100,000 customers, and now we have launched in a second country. Wow, cool. Okay, so, um, but the advice was you need a lot of capital to make your startup successful. Okay, I think this really, really depends on what the startup is. Um, because some startups, I would argue to say you are going to need a bunch of capital. Um, if you're going into like nonprofit, depending on what it is, or something more service based, no, no, I completely disagree with that situation. Um, especially service. I mean, that's why so many people do service based uh, companies these days. Like they'll do webinars or teachings or whatever, um, because and then they end up writing a book and having a product anyway. <laughs> um, it's super, super common because they're so low overhead, right? You could make an ebook super quickly, but publishing a book with the publisher and all that kind of stuff and getting it like uh, printed, that's a ton of extra work. I'm not saying it is not worth the extra work. I mean, my gosh, I am a big fan of physical hard copy books. So no, that's not what I'm saying. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's not the worst business advice to receive, I think it is just take it with a grain of salt, right? So like this person, they needed to take it with a grain of salt because um, while it's not an incorrect fact that big brands do hold the monopoly on a lot of different industries and products and services and stuff like that, you know, there's just a lot. I mean, the thing about business, and no one's going to tell you about this, There, you're not going to find a self-help book or a business finance book out there that's going to tell you that sometimes I don't know why things happen. 
<laughs> like sometimes the stars just align and it's not to like put down anybody that's working their tail off like well deserved right but then there's like other things that you work you do everything to the t of how you should have done it um your social media accounts are on fire your website as seo is just like killing it all these awesome things and you have a wonderful product and it still doesn't work right like why does walmart work and why does somebody in a in a garage starting up something even more amazing doesn't work i just don't know like we can analyze that to the cows come home but sometimes it just doesn't go over so anyway do you need a lot of capital to make your startup successful it really depends in my opinion <laughs> okay number five never hire a friend Okay. If you, this is what the person says. If you rigidly follow this advice, you end up hiring people you only know by their interview phase, which is never who they really are. The risk is wasting time and energy on someone who simply just doesn't fit your team. And all the while your team is looking at you saying, why in the world did you hire this goofball? Goes on to say, I only hire people I know or that have been referred to me by someone I trust. This may, I know, it, oh no, this way, I know exactly who I am hiring and I can get the tone and the culture of the company. Hiring unknowns can lead you to lack a team harmony and alignment. Currently, my company has about 15 team members and our average tenure is over 15 years. Wow. Um, we are all close-knit and care about one another and pull together well in times of need. They go on to say, despite what everyone always warned me about, I have now, oh man, some of this grammar, I have never had a relationship, quote, go south, end quote, as a result of hiring a friend to work with me. I have hired relatives, friends from school and college, and friends from church and other people I know in the community. Okay, very cool. Um, Yeah, so never hire a friend is the bad advice. Yeah, I mean, again, all of this is very subjective to the situation, um, but I definitely agree on the one point they were making here that there's risk in hiring, and I think that's why a lot of people um, drag their feet when they're starting a true startup and they're like working a side hustle and then it explodes or just gets too unmanageable for the person that's running it. Um and then they're like, wow, I should probably hire someone. Even if that's like an assistant for your admin stuff or whatever, like that's still someone you're hiring. Um, this is, could be influencers as well on social media, like same stuff. So um, hiring a friend or a relative can get dicey. I see that in my own family sometimes because uh, my grandparents own a family run store. So I get that. I completely can understand the stress and struggles of hiring a, a friend or family member when it goes south. I mean, that's not a hard concept for anybody to get behind. Um, but I really do like the thing that they highlighted here about the interview phase, because every single person puts on an interview phase and even like a first six month phase, honestly, because newsflash, we are all big giant slackers. <laughs> we all want the paycheck and we want to do the least amount of work with the least amount of friction to get there. Okay. So that's a general blanket statement, obviously, but just saying in general, that's what you're dealing with, especially if you're hiring from someone off the street. So I really like the idea of getting a recommendation for hiring. I mean, that's literally how I got my job, how I got my job, but it helped getting the job that I have now. Um, my father-in-law is 
the accountant for the place that I work and he put in a good word for me after I interviewed. So it's like, did, is that the, would I get the job without his two cents? Um, probably, but I mean, it really helps to get a recommendation. So there's that. Okay. Number six, do what you love and the money will follow. <laughs> oh yeah, that's bad. Okay. So this person says the truth is that not all business ideas are going to pan out even all of the great, what? Oh, not even all of the great ideas. If your passion translates to a mediocre business idea and you believe it will lead to great success simply because you're, quote, passionate about it and, end quote, and think others will be too, you're in for a rude awakening. Goes on to say, you need to have a solid plan and know there is a market before deciding to start a company based on what you love doing. Your biggest hobbies may not be the best for solving actual problems and generating revenue. Okay. So the end of what that person said, um, is super, super, super good advice. So your biggest hobbies may not be the best for solving actual problems and generating revenue. hundred percent. That's super solid advice. And that's the bummer, right? I think like if you're going to start a side hustle, there's two different ways you're going to start a side hustle or reasons rather. So one is a passion project. This That's what you're listening to right now. It's a passion project. And the second one is that we're struggling right now and I need some extra income. Okay. Those are the differences between two different side hustles. Neither one of them is better than the other. If you're, if you want my opinion on that, um, and they both have their place in the world. I completely get that anyway. So your hobby, right back to the whole TikTok and Instagram, you know, entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call them. There's probably a name for them, but I don't know what that is. Just because you're really good at playing an instrument or being a singer or crafting and crocheting or painting, literally anything. If you have a great craft that you are talent that you are great at, um, you can be wonderful and the best. You can be a flipping Picasso or Van Gogh, like, and you're going to not go anywhere. I mean, that's just back to the thing we were saying earlier about sometimes the stars just align and sometimes they do not. Um, but the big thing here is if you're like pondering, well, maybe I should start a side hustle or I don't understand why I started one, but it's not taking off. Maybe whatever that is, if you're pondering this question for yourself or maybe even others, um, you have to solve a problem, right? And so here on the podcast, you're like, what the heck problem are we solving? Well, I'm not solving any actual problems, right? Like world peace or business issues. No, but what I'm solving is that people like to be entertained via podcasts and they're looking for something new. And for me, I chose to embark on a podcast that talks about personal and professional development. Okay. Now people love people development. Okay. We love to do self-help. We love to better ourselves. Um, and we like to do that in our careers as well. So hello, that's why I'm here. That's why I chose to do that because one, it was something I enjoyed Two, It was a niche that I wanted and three, it solves a problem. So yes, I agree with that advice. Um, number seven, don't befriend industry peers. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So this person says, sadly, I followed this advice for the first few years of my insurance career before I started my own agency. I feel this advice was horrible. And over the years, I've developed great relationships with my competitors and we all found ways to work together. 
By developing key relationships in my industry, I've probably generated nearly $250,000 more in commissions in the last couple of years. Consider the viewpoint of your competition as enemies and think about how you can coexist with them. Cool. I love that. Um, yeah. Competition out there just kind of like, I get it. Competition needs to exist and does exist. Um, but just like you're competing with like female to female or male to male or like if friends compete and get jealous and like compare themselves to each other like they do on social media like every day, not because they own a business, just because they're living and breathing. Um, it's the same thing with business. And there is um, somebody in my life that I know on a professional level that I'm friends with on Facebook. So that's personal, right? <laughs> But um, they are such a big champion of befriending your competition. And um, it's so, so funny. And I struggled. I have struggled with this for sure because um, and not so much in like my job um, because I'm not really the head of the jobs that I'm in, like the actual give me money every week jobs. But in the uh, nonprofit that I lead. There's tons of competition to that one. I mean, it's a small group women's ministry, right? Yes, we have our unique qualities to us. And that's why it's attractive to some people. Um, but there is, oh my gosh, there's, you know, how many women's ministries are in the country? A lot, <laughs> a lot, right? And some of them are giant and some of them are tiny and some of them meet in a house and some of them meet in a mega church and some of them meet at wherever, right? And so it's really, really hard because you're trying to get ahead. You want people to come to you and all this kind of stuff, but the, it's so fascinating. And I don't have any stats or anything like that to give right now, because again, this is a blind little thing going on here. So I don't have the research to back it up. It's out there though, that like this person, whoever this Matt Schmidt is, um, is research that backs this up, but there's more out there that says when you actually do link arms and it's not saying like you're just like sharing your top 20, you know, customers or something with them or your industry secrets with them. No, like, hello, that's stupid. But, um, when you do link arms with people in general and, oh my gosh, if they happen to be your competition, you, the relationship really thrives and it thrives for both parties. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to befriend this agency across the street because they'll, get more clients. It's like, no, it's, that's not, you're not getting into it in the right headspace. Okay. So it's just, again, back to drawing it to something more personal and uh, more like everyday life and cut the business side out of it. Like if you're competing in life with like per a person on Instagram saying like, I'm comparing myself to the girl that's in a different season of life for me. And I feel jealous about her and all this kind of stuff. Like it doesn't mean that the feelings go away necessarily, but like we can really benefit from um, being in community with each other. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So yeah, that don't befriend your industry peers. It's garbage. It's garbage. Okay. Number eight, build your product and then find a market. Oh, no, this is terrible advice because the best businesses in the world are built around people, not products. And by focusing on the product first, you then have to go out and try to find someone to sell it to. Very rarely does this line up to a perfect market fit, and more often you end up with the product or service that nobody wants. The alternative and much better advice is to first focus on the group of people you want to serve, i.e. your ideal target market, and then try to understand their plan, their problems, their frustrations, create a product or service that solves it for them. Yeah, so 
And again, the advice was build your product and then find the market. So, okay. Some people might be thinking like, how the heck do you like build a business if you don't have a product or service? So I think what we're getting at here is like, don't get so far into building the product or service before you have the customers, right? So this is a major reason why I did not make a second Instagram account for, or even website, a different website from my own personal stuff. Um, and this is what, this is like, you're going to get 50, 50 advice split down the straight middle on people that agree with us and people that disagree with this. But I already have a following on my own personal social media, right? And it's not massive by any means. It's under a thousand followers, but still it's up there. Um, but it's not glamorous by any means. So, and that is not to belittle myself. I'm just giving you straight hard facts right now. So that is where I was coming from. So now if I gave you the stats of who and how many people listen to my podcast um, each week or on average or whatever, I mean, that number is so small compared to the 800 and some followers that I have on Instagram. Okay. And I'm using Instagram because Instagram is my main like influencer push out to the public platform that I use. I do have a Facebook. I do have a website, but Instagram is where I will catch many of my updated followers. Right. So I chose not to make a separate just hit send podcast, um, Instagram account. And again, this could change in the future. If this thing takes off and it gets crazy, we'll see, but I'm not even sure if I would change it, um, to be separate at this point, because it's part of who I am and the person I am individually, I wear many hats and this is just one of the hats that I happen to wear, right? So I don't think I will ever become a full-time podcast host. Um, that would be interesting. I don't even think I would want that, honestly, though. I mean, whatever, if someone's open to making that happen, I'm not going to say no. But at first glance, I would be hesitant to say, oh my God, yes, let's sign a contract and get that rolling. Like, no, there's a ton of other things that I like to do, want to do, I'm doing currently. And I would say me saying yes to doing the podcast full-time thing would be me saying no to a lot of different things that I don't want to say no to. So anyway, to go back to the advice thing, you need to, once you have the idea, you have, I have ideas all day long, right? Dream, come up with things, be creative, be unique, whatever. Do all those things. That's not what we're saying here. Um, you don't need to find the market and then be creative. You need to think of something, an invention or a service or something like that. Um, but before you get too far into the development process of that, you need to really get your market under wraps. And again, we mentioned this one already in this episode, in this list here. But um, you need to understand the problem and really like get out of yourself, I guess, is the way I'm trying to describe this is like, you need to understand who is going to be on the other end of your product or service. What problems do they, do they have? What does their life look like? Are they married? Do they have kids? Do they work? Do they not work? Like, are they in school? Like what, what is their all encompassing them? Right. And, um, put the product or service in their hands and see where it goes from there. So this is where pilot and demo programs are super, super helpful and stuff like that. But yeah, ultimately build your product and then find a market. Yeah, don't do that. All right, getting to the end of the list here. We're on number nine. Lower your prices to get more customers. Oof, okay. This person says, when I hear that I should lower my prices to get more customers, I cringe. Yeah, me too, dude. Um, 
It goes on to say, competing on quality, not price, is the factor that has led me to grow Dallas Maids, his company, into one of the biggest and most successful cleaning businesses in Dallas, Texas. Having slightly higher prices than the competition allows you to pay and keep the best people that they are worth. Simply, it allows you to provide a superior service. You can't do that with economy. What? Oh, you can't do that with economy prices. Yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. So again, the advice was lower your prices to get more customers. Completely agree with this um, counter advice from this guy. Um, so the last job that I had was in the automotive uh, industry, and it was a tiny little part that we made. Um, and there was a hundred different knockoffs for the that part, right? And there was like one major feature. It was um, had intellectual property attached to it and um, like trademarks and all that kind of good stuff. So that was the thing that um, made it stand out from the other competitors, right? In the knockoffs, if you will. And so even when, like when the product was first uh, invented, like 20 years ago or something like that, um, it was, the product already existed. There's just this little bit of technology that changed it and made it amazing, right? And I'm not going to go into it because I will breach my own NDA with the, that company. So don't ask. But anyway, what it's interesting because I got to learn firsthand this concept that this guy is talking about. If you really promote the quality of your product, it will bring in the right customers. So you, when you are starting a business or when you are pushing forward in a business of any sort, product, service, and everything under the sun, you're not going to get every single customer that could ever possibly want your product. If you are selling whatever, handmade banners, right? Um, you, uh, there's a hundred gazillion different people in the world that would love your handmade banner and you're going to reach a drop in the bucket, right? You're not going to be able to ever reach however hard you try and however beautiful your products are and however amazing your algorithm is on, um, Instagram and TikTok and all that. You're never going to reach your potential, right? And that could be very depressing, but you are capable of reaching awesome customers, ones that are awesome and they form a relationship with you and they are good paying um, because there's nothing worse. I have learned this in business. There is nothing worse than having an awesome prestigious customer that doesn't pay you, right? Net 30 doesn't even mean anything to them. It's insane. So if you, to have a good customer, you want people that are nice to you. You want people that pay the bills when they're supposed to. And you want people that keep coming back and they refer you to other people. So that is far beyond the quantity of customers that you could have. You are better off having like 40 stellar customers instead of like 2000. Like, and I know that sounds very dumb and very backwards, but I'm, and trust me, that is sound business advice. Okay. Number 10, don't focus on short-term revenue, build toward long-term opportunity. Okay. So they say multiple venture investors advised me to not prioritize short-term revenue and instead build towards the biggest long-term vision and opportunity, particularly in order to maximize our valuation. It sounds really nice in theory, but the reality is successful businesses make money. Hmm, preach. They go on to say, the sooner you can be in market selling a product, actively developing customer relationships, and reducing your burn rate, 
the stronger, more sustainable, and ultimately investor appealing or self-sustaining company you will be building. Prioritizing vision and valuation over revenue almost killed us, but luckily we were able to pivot in time and start building a real business, not just an attractive concept. Okay. Yep. Totally agree with this. I can relate to this and I'm going to relate this to personal finance because I am a huge proponent of getting your investments in line. I don't care how much money you make or don't make. Um, once you start making money though, and you could be literally 16, 17, 18 years old, or you can be 40 or hundred, like whatever. Um, you should be thinking long-term, right? And that's super smart. It's super good to be thinking long-term in every different way, right? For your health, for your wellness, for your sleep, for your money, for your business, for your career, like all of it, right? It's all good to think ahead, right? You want to think ahead so we can plan ahead and, and prepare ourselves and not get thrown off course. It's all great, but you cannot solely focus on just the long-term and not give two craps about the short term because you need to care about the short term because the short term gets you to the long term. Okay. So if you don't have any money to invest today, you won't have any in 10 years, right? You can't invest $0 and get anything out of that in 10 years. If I put nothing in my savings account, which is a terrible example, but just say for a lack of time, um, where if I put $0 into my savings account, what ends up in there at the end of the day? still zero, right? What's in there in 10 years? Still zero. What's in there in 75 years? Still zero. Okay. So if you don't invest in yourself today, you're not going to have anything tomorrow to invest in. So we cannot get so futuristic focused. And I'm talking to myself here, as I say this advice, <laughs> that's a thing, whatever your profession is, you never take your own advice, right? But you need to continue to work for today and sustain today and uh, solidify what's going on today in your, like, just build your foundation up for today. Make sure today's okay. Because if today's not okay, you're not even going to make it to tomorrow. So don't worry too much about tomorrow and the future and like 30 years from now, especially if you're listening to this and you're younger and you're like, ah, I don't even have a retirement account yet. Dude, it's okay. You should get one, but like, it's okay. You need to stabilize what's going on today to get to tomorrow. Number 11, the customer is always right. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> That's what this person says. No, they're not. The customer is not always right. In fact, most of the time, they don't know what's best for them or what they're talking about. Amen. <laughs> yes, you want to please customers and encourage them to make repeat purchases, but not at the determinant of your company culture, limited resources, core values, proper safety, or the experience of other customers. Don't just blindly kowtow. I love it. Don't just blindly kowtow to a complainer. Uh, yeah, complaining customer. Instead, take a stock of what you can feasibly do to alleviate their frustration without setting a bad precedent and ensure it whole upholds your overall brand values. Yep. Totally agree. So the customer is always right. Yeah. That is just really, I don't know where that came from. Again, there's probably research on where that came from, but it's not good. So yeah, I mean, there's a difference between like the customer is always right and the customer needs to be treated with respect. I think that's where we're getting at and where we kind of went off track with that like well-intentioned advice. Um, because yeah, no, the customer doesn't know what they're talking about half the time. <laughs> right. And that's fine. That's the way it should be because you are the expert in your product or service. Like that's fine. That's completely good. And we want it to be that way. But it doesn't mean that customers can walk all over you, right? So you you need to have extra respect when you're dealing with customers or clients or whatever, or just people in general, if we want to boil it down to real everyday life. 
Um, but you cannot be stomped on either. Like you're in the business of making money. I mean, you're, and if we're talking about just people in general, you are in the business of staying alive and staying happy, right? So you do not need to take unnecessary garbage from people. You do not need to line yourself up into a lawsuit because someone got upset with you. Like, no, like you need to uphold, like you said, the company culture to the resources that you have. Number 12, we're getting into the end here. Create a really specific, long, and thought-out business plan. <laughs> I can sense the sarcasm. So this person says, while having a solid business plan when going into business is the smart thing to do, focusing too much effort on perfecting the business plan will not only be a waste of time, but can also lead you to procrastinate. You really don't need a ridiculously long and specific business plan unless you're going to meet with investors. Other than that, a simple thought-out plan with your yearly goal breakdown Oh, broken down into actionable weekly steps will usually suffice. Don't get too romantic with your plan either. A good business plan will allow you to be flexible because things change a lot and what sounded like a solid plan in January might not be where you want to go in June. Yes. Okay, cool. So create a really specific, long and thought out business plan. Yes, I I love making business plans personally, especially because I don't have skin in the game when I'm making somebody else's business plan. I'm just going to write down stuff and um, give you cold hard facts, right? But yeah, I mean, like all the advice we've been talking about, rarely does the plan go to plan um, 100%. So again, I like the note that he said, though, if you are meeting with investors, um, you do need to have a quite a decent plan out there. Or if you're a nonprofit um, and you're looking for capital campaigns or you're looking for um, board approvals on things, you do need to be very freaking particular and like kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so, and that's not because of the person, it's because of the process and the systems that are in place, especially in this country. But yeah, you do need to be flexible and plans change, like you said. Um, so yeah, I honestly hire in somebody for a business plan unless you're doing some like TikTok thing like that. But even if you are doing a very small side hustle, get a business plan in place or some sort of plan. Like it's not that hard. You can do that. It's really good. And if you don't know what a business plan is, reach out, man. Let's talk about it. And I can hook you up with people that do that, uh, software that does that, or I can do it for yourself. So we'll see. Anyway, number 13, don't price yourself out of the market. This person says, I run a small litigation law firm in Washington, D.C., and as soon as I hung my first shingle, I was regularly warned not to price myself out of the market. This resulted in me working much longer hours because I was not charging clients a competitive rate. My hourly rate was laughably low, and but it remained that way simply because I was afraid of a potential client telling my rate was too high. Rather than underselling your products or services in an attempt to get a higher com conversion rate, price competitively within the market. This will ensure that the price reflects the value of the product or service. Yes. The thing that comes to mind when I read this right now is um, the episode of The Office when Michael Scott makes the Michael Scott paper company. Okay. And Michael Scott is a very genius person when it comes to paper companies. Okay. And he does this little venture. It's a side hustle. He breaks off, not even a side hustle. This is his own, only hustle. Um, when he leaves under Mifflin for a hot second and takes Pam and Ryan with him, and um, he has great intentions. He has great customer service. He has great prices, um, but the prices end up screwing him over and ta taking him out of business, right? And 
remember in that episode, if you know the show of The Office, where um, they're at the accountant or bookkeeper, whoever role that that's being played by, um, and they tell them to crunch the numbers and crunch it again, like your system's flawed. If you're underselling yourself, you're not doing yourselves any favors. Okay. So yeah, no, get yourself in the right place. If you like, okay, here's a good way of saying it, especially if you're starting out in a business, which this is kind of the only reason you would be in this zone. But anyway, if you're starting out in a business and you want to do this full time, or even if you don't, you're not a charity if you are not a charity, right? And even if you are a charity, you need to be very wise with your tools and your assets and your resources. So don't, you know, what's that saying? I don't know what the saying is called, but like, don't put yourself on fire to keep people warm. I don't know. That's not how it is, but you know, you, you get it. <laughs> Number 14, withhold negative feedback. This person says, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. We have all been given this advice throughout our lives. Mom's advice might be good for your personal relationships, but it's terrible counsel for business. Learning how to give honest, concise feedback about job performance is critical to develop your team and grow your business. Withholding constructive criticism makes your job more difficult because it creates landmines of distrust. Approach the situation knowing that you want to help that person grow and ensure your tone and attitude reflected. Give a detailed example of the infraction. Never say, I feel, you always, or you never. Personal feelings and vague declarations can never be acted upon successfully in a business environment. 100% agree. Um, so we need to stop using these words and instead give quantifiable and specific instances that need improvement. Yeah, um, um, yeah, withhold negative feedback. No way, don't do that, people whether you're a leadership or not, um, you need to be giving people your feedback, especially if you are in leadership and you do have a say in what's going on because a couple things, productivity is going to go down. Your sanity is going to go out of the door and um, just it's just going to not foster the company culture you're probably looking for um, because you just need to learn how to give the right kind of feedback. It Like when you're giving feedback, it's not like, wow, I really hate the way that you're dressing or those shoes that you're wearing is just like not doing it for me. No, you're doing things that actually matter that actually like move the margin a little bit here. So um, yeah, I was listening to a podcast um, earlier today, actually, that was talking about how we're not correcting the person, you're correcting, you're like correcting the person as like the person needs to change. It's the, just the action or the way that doing it, it needs to change. And I think that's good advice. Okay. And last but not least, number 15, just say no. <laughs> Interesting. This says, I had a potential advisor many years ago that kept trying to nail the power of just saying no into my head to just about everything. I agreed with the sentiment to a point, but saying yes is how I've gotten this far in my venture. I could write a book about how many things I've said yes to that's led to so many amazing opportunities. And if I didn't, if it didn't lead to an opportunity, it led me to a new friendship. Okay, so I'm half and half and half. I'm not creamer. I am 50-50 on this one um, to just say no. It truly depends, first of all, I think on your personality type and what type of stuff you're being dished out to potentially say yes or no to. Um, 
So I'm going to take this on a level of like rest and Sabbath, which I kind of view life through that lens anyway. Um, but something for me, who's a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist is that I would say yes to everything, burn my plate out to overflowing and burn myself out, my body, my mind, my everything. Um, and then not be able to do anything for like a year. Okay. So that's kind of where I'm coming from when I say this. Um, I do understand what this person is saying. Like you just got to do, you just got to do stuff sometimes and you got to take risks and you got to do weird stuff and stuff that doesn't benefit you like in the short term and stuff like that. Totally agree with that. Um, but I think a lot of people in this day and age, and I think especially in younger uh, crowds, if you will, they um, have a really hard time with saying no. So I think this isn't really an issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, for a lot of people is that we actually need to learn how to say no and to say no, and that it is okay actually to say no. So this is, I think is the only one I would just take a hard pass on. Um, not a hundred percent. And I, again, like I said, agree with the situation at hand, but you know, like overall I'm, my automatic response is no. And then I'll come back to it. If the opportunity still stands and I'll say yes. All right. Well, there was my blind reaction to the 15 worst business advice that was ever received by entrepreneurs, <laughs> well, at least according to that article. But I hope that you found it entertaining. I know it was a little bit of a longer episode, but you know, nice one to kick it back on a long drive or while you're doing dishes or housework or something like that. And again, I really tried to bring in that whole concept I mentioned at the beginning that business is just like life and that's why I like it. And that's why I think it's very transferable. Um, so whether you are starting a business, which if if you are cool that was a great episode to listen to um because maybe it gave you a nugget or two of maybe some advice you've been given or some things you were thinking through but if not i uh hope it was just entertaining if nonetheless because that is also a very acceptable answer so again thank you so much for jumping on today and listening i hope you are enjoying season two as we trek along here it's so funny we talk about um the planning and like how you should set a plan and know exactly what's going to happen next in your business or life whatever and um i so at the beginning of this season or before it started really i made a list like i did for season one of all the episodes that i really wanted to get through now that I kind of got my footing in and I like to give a good balance between the personal and the professional uh, development topics and sprinkle in fun things too. Um, but I have really gone off, off course. I did the first one, which was the new year situation and every episode since has not been to plan. So there you have it. <laughs> um, but good plans. Yeah, for sure. It was good plan. And I still have those ideas for the other episodes, but just, you know, you just gotta be flexible and for stuff like this, you just got to do what you feel like doing, honestly, because if you don't feel like making content, why should people listen to you? Right? So anyway, be flexible to your plans, friends. That is the tip of the day, I think. So I just hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. Um, yeah, I don't think I have much else going on or to say. So yeah, uh, make sure you're following the podcast, uh, wherever you happen to be listening to it. Again, we are on Google podcasts. So if you've been listening on a different platform, just because you want to hear the show, I thank you for one, but two, you can move on over to Google podcasts. So we are on there now. Um, if there is any other kind of platforms that you're curious, if I would, uh, host 
post on, please let me know because I just don't know what the heck you want. (laughs) Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day or night, wherever you happen to be listening to this. And uh, yeah, I will see you in next week's episode. So take care, my friend, and just hit send. Bye-bye.